This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, how unionist teachers are working to eliminate child labour. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. We want a life with dignity. A world that upholds rights and equality. Hatred and violence have no place. Regardless of gender, class or This is Radio Labour. Allow me first to recall and reiterate the words of Nelson Mandela, who said education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And allow me to rephrase that to say education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to eliminate child labour. That is Dennis Signalo, the Africa Regional Director of Education International. EI is the Global Union Federation, which represents 30 million teachers and other education workers in 172 countries. It has a special focus on helping the 160 million children in the world who are trapped in child labor. Mr. Signalo spoke at the 5th Global Conference of the Elimination of Child Labor, held May 15th to 20th in Durban, South Africa. And if you are talking about education, certainly... The most important people who drive education are teachers, the women and men in our classrooms. Education International, being the Global Union Federation of Teachers, is working with its member organizations in various countries to eliminate child labor. I'll share with you five key strategies that are being used and give you examples related to these strategies. First, the unions and teachers Collect evidence. So the first strategy really is research. Collecting evidence about who is missing out on education. Children that are in child labor, for example, and the reasons why, and where these children are, what are the sectors, the industries, and who is keeping them away from school. Education International has developed a tool which is called an equity audit tool. So that tool is used by teachers, actually, to identify children who are missing out on education including those who are in child labor. We have several examples of our programs in 13 countries, actually, all over the world. For example, in Senegal, we've heard about Malawi. The unions are also working in Malawi on the ground, actually, to track these children and engage in advocacy with local authorities, including traditional leaders, including school management committees, to actually bring these children who are missing out on education to school. So the second point really is advocacy and dialogue. And then the third point is awareness raising. This is very important because quite often parents may not be sending their children to school thinking that actually they are doing the best thing by allowing them to earn an income for themselves and for the family. But uh, teacher unions as well as teachers at school or local level engage with parents, engage with traditional leaders to get children into school, to raise awareness, consciousness, so that parents act and everybody else acts. And we've seen very successful examples, of course, in Malawi, 
in Zimbabwe, in Mali, in Senegal, and in various other countries. The fourth strategy is community mobilization. Community mobilization. So yes, raising awareness is good, but it's not sufficient. So you need to mobilize. So unions mobilize their members. And then, of course, the teachers mobilize the students, the communities, to help in the effort of getting children out of labor and into school. Part of this is through actually using various methods. It can be theater, for example. It can be school clubs, anti-child labor clubs, for example. It can be committees involving all the key stakeholders within the community. And one of the most successful models EI has used is the creation of child labor-free zones. So the unions working together with communities have identified child labor-free zones. It can be a community, it can be a district, or if the ambition is higher, it can even be a region or province. And then they work together to make sure that these zones are free of any form of child labor. And then finally, uh, strategy number five is creating a safe and inclusive environment for the child, meaning the whole school and the whole classroom. For more information about Education International and child labor, visit ei-ie.org. When we look at the situation or what we are doing in Zimbabwe, we are using what we call the area-based approach where we identify a small geographical area, do activities in there, commit off child labor. When we are done, we move to the next one. Angelina Lunga is the Training and Development Officer of the Zimbabwe Teachers Association, ZIMTA. We started our work in a place called Chipinge. Chipinge is a place where a lot of agricultural activities take place. It's important to mention that when government outlawed child labor, major companies abandoned child labor. However, our other smaller farmers, communal farmers, and even members of the community, some of them are still practicing it. It is important to mention that when child labor was abandoned, then these other pockets of activities are the ones that we are targeting. We realize that children were involved in heading cackle, not going to school, but heading cackle for some people, doing some farming activities somewhere, selling the whole day, and being closer to the Mozambican border, our children sometimes cross the border to look for work or to order stuff and come and bring it into Zimbabwe and be sailing throughout the day. So we have been doing in the schools, first of all, we trained teachers on issues to do with child labor. This was because we wanted to raise awareness on the importance of education and the right to education for these learners. For the complete commentary about child labor by Ms. Lunga, visit radiolabor.net.
Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of the astounding and unexpected union victory that has resulted in the introduction of paid domestic violence leave for Australian workers. We also carried news of new arrests of trade union leaders in Belarus, more efforts at solidarity with Ukrainian unions, and details of how and why the Trump administration in the United States conspired with food processing corporations to deliberately place meatpacking plant workers at risk. But my favorite top story of the week came to us from Sweden, where dockers have placed a hot cargo edict on Russian ships and on cargo bound to or coming from Russia as an act of solidarity with Ukrainian workers. The Swedish ports employer announced this week that it was taking the union to court in an effort to force its members to handle the banned cargo. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found stories about the U.S. national women's football team's success in gaining pay equal to that of that country's men's team. In other news about women workers, we followed the work being done by the Midwives Union in Lesotho as it presses for an expansion in its members' scope of practice. And we were able to bring you an interview with a Ukrainian member of the Builders Union there about her life since the start of the Russian invasion. A small sample of the stories appearing on our health and safety page and Newswire this week includes coverage of the healthcare crisis in Eswatini, where several medical facilities had only a single healthcare worker well enough to report for work at least one day last week. From the UK, we brought our readers a report from the British Medical Association that details how that country's government failed healthcare workers throughout the pandemic. And we carried stories about the Building Workers International's initial success in pressing the ILO and national governments to declare occupational health and safety a fundamental right. Already over 100 Building Workers International affiliates in 50 countries have joined in the campaign. Our current photo of the week is from Sri Lanka, where last week trade unions called for a national general strike against not only government economic policy, but also the banning of trade union activity in large segments of the economy and a shoot-to-kill order aimed at ending weeks of popular protests. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Equality for You and Me, produced by ITUCAP, the Asia-Pacific section of the International Trade Union Confederation. It's a musical plea for countries to ratify Convention 190 of the International Labor Organization. Convention 190 focuses on eliminating violence and harassment in the world of work. Day by day, women are silenced Facing fear, intimidation, and violence Robbing us of freedom and security Rooted in centuries of patriarchy
Their design, their enforcement must leave no one behind. And gender-based violence and discrimination ensure social protection, decent job creation, social dialogue, and engagement with unions. Build a nation grounded on inclusion and people's genuine participation. Ratify C-190. This is our demand. Governments, employers, and unions. Now is the time to ban, to protect us, shield us. And that's it. Labor news you can use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.